Galatians 2.20. Let's put that one up. I am crucified with Christ, but I live, yet not I. You know, this uh, relates, this particular verse relates to the message, and I want to kind of introduce it to you tonight. Um, And it is, here's the big question for you to think about. I am a Christian. Should I pay any attention or make any effort to grow spiritually? I'm a Christian. I got a lot to do in my life. I'm living a life. I'm saved, but do I have uh, do I have anything in my heart to motivate me in a spiritual way? And unfortunately, a lot of believers say, "No, I'm good. I'm good." It's fine, you know. But I, we, we want you to, like, look at that again and say, and one of the things that happens from God is that our life doesn't go that well. When our life doesn't go that well, it's like God speaking to us. So uh, um, I have this page just to make reference to I find it which I think is a good recap a a pastor after years of training and hard work and becoming established in the ministry is confronted with failure in life and service all of his praying, listen to this, all of his praying, preaching, visitation, counseling have not brought into being a growing and spiritual congregation. And he feels that. I work hard, but what, what's happening, and I feel like the emptiness. Another leader has been successful, developed a large Sunday school, and also a big missionary budget. But then he also feels like, I'm not satisfied. What's missing? Third, a faithful layman has given time, talent, treasure to his church, serving in various capacities. Ultimately, he becomes discouraged and even disillusioned to his own lack of growth in Christ. Another one, a Christian wife and mother seeks to establish and maintain a Christ-centered home, as well as faithfully carrying out her church duties and activities. Often husband and children fail to respond, resulting in heartache and sometimes tragedy. Teenage believers revel in their church activities, then off to college, and there, there they lose their faith, and they, they go down a different path. Sometimes they do, and they do for a period of time, and sometimes they stay away. I think about these little stories and wonder what's the real answer. I think I, I know in the scripture what God says to us about it. 
And tonight I want to say something about it briefly, even though it's deep and profound. Turn to Romans with me, please. First thing, and this is uh, the book of Romans, is our reference, and we have chapter 5. We have the real ground for our salvation. Two men, Adam, the first Adam and the second Adam, and the judgment on Adam, the crucifixion of Christ. And we sing tonight about the cross, and we talk about the cross, and, and we, we know about it in some measure. We are saved by it, the cross. So we have, the first part is our salvation. This is so amazing that we are saved by his grace. It, it's um, a whole other message, but very important one, that you are saved. You are indwelled by the Spirit, and nothing can change that. You are imputed with righteousness, and you are saved by God's grace. But then, what about my life? I am saved, but now, like, how do I live? So we have, this is the second point, Romans And we have chapters 6 to chapters 8. This is different. This is about the cross as a way of life. This is the cross regarding our salvation, and then this is the cross regarding our new life. And what does it mean that we have the cross? What does it do for us? How does it satisfy us? When you dedicate your life to something and you're not so satisfied or happy, where do you go? What do you do? How do you process that in your heart? You go to the cross. But many believers don't know what that means. Like, what do you mean, go to the cross? Like, what is that? What does it mean, the cross? It, to me, it, I was so happy I came into a church where not only I heard about salvation, but I learned about myself, how bad I am. There's two things here. It's for the spiritual life, there's two things to learn. Number one is how bad I am. And then the second thing is how great uh, the cross is. How great Christ is. What Christ did. How bad, how, how easily I can mess up my life by myself. My self-life. How easily I can talk and think and process my troubles through myself. And then how easily with my opinion, there's like three, three things here with the self to, to, to mention. Um, let's see, self is my opinion, 
my reasoning and then my subjectivity. These are, this is all like, these are, all of them could, you know, be a message, you know. But just to introduce and, and to help you understand what I want to say, what we want to say tonight and think about. God loves us and saved us. And it's sure. The love is sure. The work is done. The cross finished it. The, the, the status of the believer is so great, it's unspeakable. It's beyond us. It is so amazing who we are now. This is our starting point. That he paid the penalty for our sin. That he did it. He justified us. It is so great that we are seated in heavenly places and so great that our name is in the book of life and so great that God calls us sons and daughters and so great that the Holy Spirit lives in us and it's so great that we are called by his name and so great he will never leave us or forsake us. It's so great that he covered our sin. Anything that could be interpreted as sin or known as sin, past, present, or future, has all been taken care of. So ultimately, nothing can separate us from the love of God in regards to our salvation and our position. We are seated with God. This is like totally important. In our, there's no religion like it in the world. There's nothing. Nobody could invent it. C.S. Lewis said one reason he became a believer because he said no man could ever, could never invent this. It's beyond us. It's grace. It's God deciding and loving us and giving us his son. It is so sure. It is so amazing. Nothing can separate. It is sure. If you are saved, you are saved. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it's a sure thing. Okay. Would you turn to your neighbor and just tell them that for a minute? Okay. Now, turn to Romans 6 with me. Romans 6. Now comes this reality of how you live your life and the great advice that gives comes from God, the teaching, the great guidance, the, the ministry of the Spirit to you, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us in this lifetime. And this is, this is what we need, because we are prone to these three things. We are prone to my opinion. Let's give an example. My opinion is that I'm not saved. Like, are you sure? How do you know that? I feel that. Okay. How long have you feel that? All the time I feel that. Okay. Are you, on what basis are you, well, I, I, don't, I don't know, just me, 
just says, it's how I feel. It's what I think. Okay, there's, there's something God wants you to know. Because there's always people like that. And they are believers. They are God knows if they are or not. But if I am a believer, he wants me to know that these things are written that I might know I have eternal life. But more than that, he wants me to live with a different mind. He, he wants me to leave my subjective life, my self-life, and he wants me to go to the cross. I leave it there. He wants me to go to the cross with myself. So this, this could be described, we, we draw it, it's a really simple, here's my life, and I am at the center. This is my self-life. I go to the cross, and I, have, I bring my self-life to the cross. And I say, it's all about you, God. I'm changing my mind. I'm asking you to change my mind. I'm asking you to teach me. I want to know what, what does it mean for me to live this life? Because if I live a spiritual life, then no matter where my life goes, I have a resource, and that's the Holy Spirit, that's the mind of God, that's the life of Christ that comes out of you. Amen. Now, what kind of difficulties did the Apostle Paul face? He was in a lot of trouble as a Pharisee who became a Christian. He was persecuted. He was um, eventually in prison and jail, and he had discouragements with churches and, and who knows what other physical problems and beatings and alienation and rejection. But when he finishes his life, he says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain, but I don't have to die because I got it now. I have Christ now. Well, what does that mean to gain Christ in this life? It means that I must be aware that my self-life usurps itself in the plan of God. With my opinion, with my reasonings, and my subjectivity. Now, because of time, and this is a heavy subject, but I just want to share it with you. I hope it helps you and gives you something to think about tonight when you go home. And, and that is that one of the characteristics of your new life is your freedom, your joy, your authority, your, your spiritual life. When the house falls down, that's okay because you're not falling down. I mean, you can, I'm, I'm saying the scripture is leading, the scripture is saying this. But why? why? Because long before the house fell down, I was learning about the cross and processing it in my heart and my mind. And I was learning love. I was learning to forgive. I was learning not to hold grudges. I was, I was learning about faith. 
I, I had the, my mouth, I brought it to the cross. My mouth, I didn't speak like I used to speak. I brought my mouth to the cross. And what did God do? He gave me a new mouth. I brought my eyes to the cross. So what did he do? He gave me new eyes. You know, I, I, but it's not fair, but it's not fair. It's like, wait a minute. You're so filled with yourself. It's not fair. Talk to Jesus about how that cross is not fair. That's not fair. Get, get used to it. It's not fair. But you go there with your self-life and you just say, Lord, it hurts and it's not fair. And God says, give it to me. Trust me. He says, um, you know, in a way, he says, leave it here with me. You're in jail. You shouldn't be in jail, but give it to me. Go ahead, give it to me. So you, you give it to him. You go down, hands, holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And you are spirit-filled. Now you're in prison. This happened to one of our people in Nepal. It was a whole setup that he would go to prison because he was an active Christian. And um, there was a box on the back of a motorcycle in Nepal. And inside the box was an endangered species. I don't know, bird or lizard or something. And down the road was a policeman. So Beam was on the road, the motorcyclist in this conspiracy plan to put him in prison, had him on the back, picked him up to give him a ride, hold the box. The police pull him over. He's got the box. He goes to jail. Five years. He had five kids at home. And he goes to jail. But you know what happened? In the jail, there were three or four Christians that started to clap. And they were clapping. And they go, why? Because we were praying that God would send a pastor to the prison. (laughs) And I understand like 70 prisoners became Christians in a church was born in the prisons, in the prison. Well, Beam, that was his name, Beam, and he's, he's pastoring in Nepal today. Like, that's not fair. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah, you got that right. But how did you, how did you handle it? I, my self-life, if you interviewed me, I would give you my opinion about it, the reasoning, and my feelings about it. Subjectivity, they have a definition, one dictionary definition. This, it is relating to the thinking subject having its source in the mind that the, the pertaining to or peculiar to an individual subject or his mental operations depending on one's individuality and idiosyncrasy. In other words, it refers to the way we hear and perceive others tending to lay stress on one's own feelings or opinions, given to brooding over one's mental states, excessively introspective or reflective. I think you get the gist because we've taught that before as well. So the cross, I'm saying this because I don't know why it happened to me but I was so happy I, I found this church and a pastor who taught about the cross. 
that changed my life. And I didn't even know it changed my life. I just learned not to complain, but go to the cross and find God. I learned not to excuse my flesh. I don't have any rights. Go to the cross. Like Jesus didn't have any rights except his obedience to the Father. That was what he did. And look at where he ended up in heaven, at the right hand of the Father, because he obeyed the Father. Is that a good picture for us? Yes, because we are, especially us, the free people, Americans who are grown up, grow up many times in a mindset of entitlement, that you owe this to me, you owe this to me. Let me, let me just say, if, if we strengthen our self-life, It'll mess up our life. But if you can learn to bring it to the cross, you fall in love with somebody you shouldn't fall in love with, that's your self-life. You, you get entangled in something because of money, that, and that's, that's wrong, that's your self-life. You get part of a group of people that you shouldn't be with, that's your self-life. You get upset and angry and ripped off regarding your father or your mother. That's your self-life. What's the Bible say? Honor your father and mother as much as you possibly can. You honor them. And God will give you the mind to forgive for offenses, to love your brother, to love your sister, the cross life. So, so in our fellowship, we have the cross, not only in regards to my salvation, but the cross in regards to everyday living. And so myself usurps the cross. And I get very emotional about it, very upset about it. You're not dead. You're alive. It says, reckon yourself to be crucified with Christ. Die. Have your self-life Turn from this strong, opinionated self that's easily offended and very upset to be with Jesus at the cross and watch the Holy Spirit fill you and the Holy Spirit lead you and the Holy Spirit just look at life a different way and just be thankful with it. And then the cross also means you can't build a church in your flesh if you do, you can in one sense, but it will be outward. Let me, let me say that last part. This is a very good point. When, when, your, when my, your ministry, our ministry is rooted in our self-life, then it is outward. Do you know what that means? It means how many baptisms, how many churches, how many prayers, how much. What do you look like? What do you talk like? How, what's your impression? How do you get? What's your system? What is your program? It's your self-life. You're doing a program. It's your self-life. You protect yourself with your self-life. You have hypocrisy with our self-life. All of us are hypocrites with our self-life. We have a self-life. We have a whole way of, of presenting our, like the ministry. Oh, this ministry is great. It's not necessarily so great. Depends. What's it depend on? Is Jesus there? The Laodicean church, they said, we're not naked. 
And Jesus said, yes, you are. Uh, yeah, we are not blind. Yes, you are. You have outwardly, you're reinforced by, we could say, maybe money, profile, reputation, uh, power with people, influence, and so on. But Jesus comes, look at where he ends up at the cross. And you know what? There's nothing outward that's appealing there. There's nothing outward about Jesus there at the cross. It's shameful. It's loss. It's, uh, it's failure. But he's in the will of God. He's in the will of God. It's not failure. He's in the will of God. And so what happens is the, the ministry and people in it end up having inward life with joy and love and peace. All just as a way of life. But I thought you had to go, you, you, the, the medical people put you in a wheelchair. Yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. That's, that's part of my life. That's the road I'm, I'm on right now. That's my chapter, the chapter of my life. I'm in a God put me in a wheelchair. Well, I thought that wouldn't happen. Yeah, it did. It did. Well, what, well, what are, you, are you disappointed? Well, I don't like it. But this is what I got, and I got the cross, and through the cross, I've surrendered, and the Spirit is filling me, and I have his joy and his peace, and that's my ministry. That's my life. I mean, not my, it's my ministry. It's my life. It's what Joni Aracatada did when she broke her neck in the Chesapeake years ago, and what a testimony that is. I'm not... No, nobody wants any of these bad things, but I'm just giving a word to all of us that, do you know what? You have a great potential to mess up your life. Could I repeat that? Do you know that you have a great potential to mess up your life? And not only that, when everything is good, you, ha- you are actually, maybe, you are living an outward life, an outward Christian life. And it's not satisfying to you. You go through the motion. And I'm saying, and you're catching it, I know, because I think the Holy Spirit is saying it to us, that when we, when we have the cross as, a, as an orientation, no matter what we go through, and this room is filled with a lot of people, that know this message in life, and they've survived. Not only have they survived, but they have abounded. They may not even know it. God keeps it from them. They might not see how great they are. They are great, and they will shine like the stars. And they give life. When you sit with them, there's sweetness. There's quietness. There's life. They know Jesus. They're excited about Jesus. Jesus is in their heart. Jesus is alive to them. They found Jesus. Jesus satisfies them. You know, Jesus is in their car. Jesus is in their life, in their bedroom. Jesus is in their business dealings. Jesus is in their relationships. They have found Jesus. Jesus has revealed himself to them. 
And by the way, the cross, you can't package this. It's not a mechanical exercise. It's not something you can figure out in like, you know, seven steps to living a victory. Yeah, this is something of love. And this is something that, um, that we learn about. And just uh, don't gorge yourself on your self-life. Drop it. Leave it. Be a worshiper. Meditate on these words. Obey him. Obey him. When the Lord leads you to go to somebody and say to them, you know, please forgive me, then do it. Obey him. It's the cross. Please forgive me. I messed up. I am sorry. Please forgive me. God blesses you and them. And when your house is falling apart, then, then go to the cross and learn through the cross what the Lord, what, what, the life, that you need life. You, when, when we're living in the cellar, we need life to get up to the first floor. We need life. We, when, we're, when we're down, we need life. We need God to resurrect me. We need Christ to visit me. We need Jesus to come into my life and help me and satisfy me and fill me. That will keep me out of the alcohol place. That will keep me out of adultery. That will keep me out of fear. That will keep me out of emptiness and hypocrisy, empty suits, empty people who have nothing to do or nothing to say except complain and whine and cry about how unfair life is. Well, long before you find out that life is not fair, decide way back here it's unfair. Decide way back here it's tragic. Life is tragic. It just takes time before it hits you. It will hit you. Life is tragic. And what I need for the tragedy is the cross. There it is, tragedy hanging on the wall over there. That's what I need in my life now, the cross. And if I can learn that and take up the cross and live to God before God, trusting him, then he will fill us and he will give us some ministry in, the, in, the, in our lives. In the, and of course, again, we're not happy about anybody's demise, but we're just facing the world that we live in. And finish your course with life, joy, and peace. Finish your life with, okay, and I'm not saying I can do it. I can't. That goes back to this one here. Which one? This one. I cannot do this, this one. I know how bad I am, but I know how great God is. And when you finish, you just say, God did it. God did it. One guy said to me that one time, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? I said, what do you mean? He goes, how, do you, how come you take the garbage cans out to the street with, uh, with like you're happy? Do you take Prozac or how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? I, go, I don't know. I don't know. I, we got to have a talk. We got to have a talk. So he came and talked and we shared Christ with him. And later, Jim Hadley led him to the Lord. That was cool. Okay, amen. Would you, uh, would you just take, talk it up for a minute with your neighbor and just say, what do you understand about the cross? And uh, 
I don't know. I, I could preach a long time on it. I don't know. That's a good subject. Please think about it, embrace it, learn it, and enjoy it. Amen. Okay, hey, how's everybody doing? Doing good? Okay. Okay, let me try this instead. ¿Cómo estás, amigos? See that? We might be going bilingual here. I don't know. You know. Hey, that's great. Um, hey, my name's uh, Pastor Brent, and uh, I, uh, you know, we, we have started a church in Medellin, Colombia a couple of years ago, and it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I brought the hardest worker on our team with us. Yeah, it's my wife. <laughs> yeah, she, she's right back there, you know, so. Um, hey, you know, we've had just a great time here, and, you know, I've been actually part of this church for over 40 years, and uh, amazing, I came in when I was five. Um, it's, it's, uh, hey, but the, you know, the reality is when we come back, there's the warmth, there's the love, it's, uh, you know, it's just really amazing, and maybe there's somebody here, maybe this is your first time here to a Greater Grace um, meeting like this, and maybe you've been here for 40 seconds. It doesn't matter. 40 years, 40 seconds, the same love, everything. Is, it, is this the first time for anybody? Raise your hand if this is the first time that you're at a Greater Grace um, service. Okay. No, raise it higher. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, we got one right there. Okay. Hey, um, hey so really it's a, uh, just a... A great opportunity to be here. And what I want to do is I want to mention about a person. His name is uh, Santiago. This last December, Santiago, um, he said, I'm tired of running from the Lord. You know, he's been after me. I'm tired. And then he says, you know what I did? I, I turned myself into the Lord. <laughs> wow. That's a beautiful thought, isn't it? You know, it's like turning myself into the Lord. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the offering also. And, you know, a lot of times what we need to do with the offering is turn ourselves into the Lord. Right? It's like, I mean, because we're on Team Jesus, right? I mean, it doesn't matter, like, what we have to do. We do it. This is the Lord. He's working in our lives. He's doing so many things. So what, what ends up happening then is, you know, he get, so he got saved on Christmas Day. That's amazing, right? And then on New Year's Eve, he gets baptized. You know, and we had, uh, you know, five people getting baptized on New Year's Eve. And then a few weeks later, we had another six people being baptized. And, and it's, it's really, it's just an amazing thing down there. And what's making a difference What's making a difference in people's lives? Well, the message of the cross. 
Do, do you realize, I was talking with Pastor Scheller up here beforehand, do you, how many times do you think that we have sung about the cross, or that the word, the thoughts, the beauty, the love of the cross has come across this pulpit over you know, the last uh, half a century? Uh, you can't count it with a calculator. The cross is something that is actually the very power of God in 1 Corinthians 1.18. Sometimes people might think, gosh, if I become a Christian, then I might not be the salesman that I should be. <laughs> you know, if I, if I have the cross in my life, then that's going to zap me of my power. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you have no idea what the power of the cross will do in your life, that it will cleanse your conscience, that it will take a person from actually, like a... Um, Pastor Pete was mentioning from having to perform this person out here, a different persona of who I am to the world, but here I am over here. I'm afraid. I have fear, but I can't show anybody that. And the cross says, you don't have to worry about it. You can realize that what I did on the cross for you will conquer every fear that you have in your life. It doesn't matter. I love what uh, David said in Psalm 34, 4. He says, I sought the Lord with all of my fears. And he said, just go away, young boy. You know, you're you're done. He said, he delivered me from them all. Wow. Maybe there's fears in, in people's life. The cross is the answer for us. You know, maybe there's there's thoughts that are coming in that... You know what? I don't know if I can give like that because, um, you know, I don't know what's coming for rent. I don't know what's. Don't worry about that. We're not looking for your rent money. We're on a team together. We're just looking for everybody to come together and watch the Lord will work and he'll raise up people and he'll take you the next month. You pay your rent and watch what happens next month. It's amazing. I'm going to end with this last thought. It, it, it talks about Veronica. Veronica is, a, uh, we've been praying for our youth. We've been right, having a really a beautiful focus. And Lord, man, we need some more youth in here. And so this girl just happens to be when we were having our service. This girl comes in. She has blood all over her knees and is born now. She says, can you help me out? You know, so well, come on, honey. <laughs> you know, she's like 16 or something, right? You know, so we're helping her with her knee and, and then... She says, wow, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, we're like in a house and, and type of thing. So uh, I said, well, you know, we happen to have a, a church here. And she goes, and her, her English is pretty good. And, you know, she says, oh, wow, I, I love God. And I said, well, you're here. Might as well stay. You know, so she ended up staying, right? And then next week she brings her best friend, and the following week her mom and her brother, and she keeps bringing other people. And, wow, hey, now I'm not saying God pushed her off the bike. (laughs) But I'm telling you, the Lord can do really mysterious things in your life. Don't look at how big your bill is. Look how great God is. 
You know, I mean, really, that is going to release us all. Here we, hey, here we are, Lord. We're turning ourselves in. We just want to give unto you as you lead us. So we just pray right now, Lord Jesus. We just thank you. We praise you. We, we, you have given us an opportunity to participate in the worship of giving, and we're doing it unto you in your name, Jesus. Amen.